And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who knows life is a beach, but he's just playing in the sand. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right. Nothing like coming back to Detroit in December after a few <laughs> days in San Diego, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's got to be a weird packing trip for you. You got to pack. You got to dress warm to get there and then dress warm to get back, but you can't really wear those clothes actually in your location. It's, uh, it's a complicated to be, situation. To, to be honest, like, like you know, this time of year in California, like especially right by the water, like it's one of those, it, it's hard to pack for in general. Like it's like, it's like 60s, but it gets kind of cold at night. You got some wind coming off the water. Like it, it, it was kind of chilly, to be honest. You know, better than December in Detroit, but it's not like it's like, you know, a tropical getaway. Nice weather. It was like nice, but it was kind of every day like, all right, what do I wear? Because I don't want to be too hot and I don't want to end up being cold. And uh, I need to like have a jacket I can have with me at night. It was it was kind of tricky. Yeah. Well, these are the things that people don't think about with these trips. It's a, it's a hard life. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Well, I, well, actually, the first thing I was going to ask you, because you are fresh, fresh from uh, San Diego right now, is Scott Harris tired of you and the media folk? It seems like y'all got a lot of FaceTime. He's having to, he's having to uh, speak in cliches and general terms, and, you know, you guys are trying to get as much information as you can, and, you know, there are a couple of sound bites words i thought were interesting from him but seems like y'all got all up nice and personal with scott this week but how, how were winter meetings uh you know kieran i i can't really comment on that <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah yeah that was that was that was the theme of a lot of things with scott and you know i get it you know he can't he can't tip his hands on certain things but there was there was a lot of like didn't learn as much as I was probably hoping to about actual plans for what the 2023 roster is going to look like um I asked him very directly like do you expect your payroll to be like what's a general range for people to expect about the same as last year and if you look across the league it's it's kind of interesting I think I think the teams that spend a lot are like, yeah, we're going to spend a lot. Our payroll is going to be higher than last year. And then some team like, like some teams are pretty transparent about what their payroll is going to be. And and some teams aren't. And the Tigers uh, fall into the category of can't really comment on that. Don't want to broadcast it to the league. Um, I don't know. Does that like actually give you a strategic advantage? Like I, I I'm not so sure about that, but yeah. uh, will the Tigers payroll be, Lower, higher, about the same? No idea. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I think there was some feeling out certain things with Scott. Still a guy getting used to being the face and the voice. But ultimately, we come away from winter meetings. Uh, still a lot of unanswered questions about what next year's roster is going to look like. The good news, it was really looking like we were going to leave there with really nothing happening at all. And uh, turned true to Scott's word, they were indeed hard at work and pulled off the the Joe Jimenez trade, which looks like a pretty nice deal there on you know Wednesday evening in San Diego. 
Yeah, well, yeah, we can just kind of go there now because that was obviously the biggest Tigers-related news. Uh, Joe Jimenez going to the Atlanta Braves for a couple prospects, most notably uh, Justin Henry Mallory. Malloy. Malloy. I wrote that wrong in my notes. Malloy. Number six prospect in the Braves system, according to Baseball America. Not really sure where his defensive home is yet. Corner... Uh, a corner, I guess we can just say. He's going to be in a corner. We know that. Third base or the outfield. And fits the profile exactly of what Scott Harris has kind of laid out as the kind of players he wants to build this roster, this system around. To me, this seems like home runs like too strong because it's not like you're getting some blue chip, blue chip prospect. But in terms of the reality of the situation of what Joe Jimenez is, what the Atlanta Braves were looking for, and then what they could offer, I don't know if you could really expect more from a guy who will be a free agent, who was a quality player, who probably had a ceiling in as the bullpen is presently constructed in terms of role, and you get, and there's a pitching prospect in there too, but you get a... Uh, you, you get a prospect that adds to your farm system for a guy that was not going to be in your future. So I thought that was a pretty shrewd move. Uh, like I said, home run's too strong, but overall I I think it makes sense and it gives me reassurance that Scott Harris is actually has a plan behind some of those words like dominate the strike zone, which is this guy's hitting profile. Yeah, here's how kind of things went down. We were supposed to get our, our media session with Scott after Wednesday's Rule 5 draft, which was at 2, 2.30 Pacific time. And I was kind of like, all right, yeah, you know, last day here, going to knock this out, be done with work by like 3.30, and then, <laughs> you know, go go enjoy a nice dinner, like, you know, kind of have a, a, a more free evening. And then we get word like, oh, Scott's going to talk later this afternoon. And then afternoon turns into like, all right, it's past five. In my book, that's not the afternoon anymore. And so it's just like number one, sitting there in the hotel or in the workroom, like just bored out of my mind. And then as the day starts getting later, I'm like, is something like, are they, are they doing something? And they did a very nice job, both the Tigers and Braves, keeping it quiet because there was really no were no even rumors of anything and and I didn't even really know who to ask or what to ask because I didn't have any clue what they might be doing um that also shows a little bit about how how kind of coy Scott was like really didn't have any direction for what might be going on and we finally get a text from Tiger's PR it's like all right Scott's gonna talk at 620 so we go down by the elevators and I think I made a joke like, all right, we got five minutes for like something to happen here. <laughs> Didn't think it was going to happen. I think it was like 619 release comes. Tigers have traded Joe Jimenez. Um, it's kind of funny when you go from just learning something to going upstairs to talk to Scott. It's not like there was a lot of time to process it. So okay. I pretty much, you know, get this news, get the release. I'm like, all right, two prospects with like long names. I've never heard of these guys. I was like, uh all right, this doesn't seem like much. And I was able to, like, pull up the guy, like, Malloy's fan grabs page, like, <laughs> in the elevator, basically. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, he walks a lot. Uh, all right, this seems pretty good. 
And, you know, after listening to Scott explain the deal, and then especially after going and being able to read and research a little more on Justin Henry Malloy, um, once I became more educated on on exactly what the Tigers were getting in return, I was like, oh, no, this is this is a pretty solid deal. I think it's a nice, you know, nice single with the, the possibility to uh, kind of get into the gap for a double. And... Everyone on Twitter wants a home run, right? I get it. Yeah, I get it. That's what that's what you know the fan base wants. Wants some excitement. Wants some hope for twenty twenty three. The reality is, good organizations are probably built a lot more on some consistent singles and singles that turn into doubles. And if you can mix in a, a couple home runs, uh, that's how you become real contenders. Scott Harris has talked about stacking one good baseball move on top of the other, and this is a pretty good start. You know, I think this is his first, the first thing that really qualifies is like a good baseball move. I'm not sure uh, it's going to impact the 2023 Tigers. We'll see if, if Malloy is actually capable of reaching the majors next year. I don't know. Um, he'll probably start in AAA and seems like the type of dude who could contribute in, in a year or two for sure. And then it's like, okay, is he just kind of a complimentary piece is he like an everyday guy is he a guy who um still developing some power a guy who could become a really good major leaguer like that's a little bit unanswered but look he controls the zone he walks he's known for his plate discipline he's got a little bit of pop um he does hit the ball to all fields um that's pretty good that's pretty encouraging all right we we left san diego with Really no idea what 2023 is going to look like, but we did leave San Diego with one move that uh, has the potential to be beneficial for the Tigers. And again, Joe, he's on a one-year deal. He's he's on an expiring deal. Like it, it makes sense to get something for him. And I thought it was pretty funny. Alex Anthopoulos of the Braves said, "Oh yeah, Joe, you know we really liked him around the trade deadline, but couldn't get a deal done then." Scott Harris was able to get a pretty nice deal done. Yeah. Alavila, it appears, was not. And that's another thing. If this deal had happened at the trade deadline, I think people would have been kind of fired up about it. It's like, oh, all right, we're out of contention. We moved a reliever, uh, got a hitting prospect who who has a future. Like, sweet. I think people were not quite as excited. Like, the casual fan was more like, no, get us a good player who can help in the majors right now. But just because that's the timing of, of the deal, if, if that makes any sense. But I think it's a pretty good trade. Yeah, yeah, and organization building is like the bricks of that are just all like non-sexy moves, I guess is what you would say. You know, it's not all you don't put nine first-round picks on the field. You know what I mean? And especially ones that you drafted, like that's just not how it works. You got to be able to play the market. Uh, I do agree with you on the timing. I do also think. I'll add to it that because it was during winter meetings and there's all these like sexy moves happening, Aaron Judge, you know, staying with the Yankees, Bogarts going to the Padres, and, uh, you know, Justin Verlander signing with the Mets, you know, like all these things, it kind of was like, okay, so, you know, trade a reliever and got a couple minor leaguers, you know, what they do, you know, like, but to your point, that's not really what, I mean, that's not what organizations shrewd organizations do these are the kind of moves that you stack on top of each other I, I i will say this a big winner 
of this trade is the track record slash reputation of A.J. Hinch and Chris Fetter. Because y'all, it's not that long ago, 2021, first year of the regime, he did not make the team out of camp, did Jimenez. And they, you know, slowly, you know, he got his stuff together and he turned himself into a valuable trade asset. And I think that speaks to the the player development track that the Tigers are sort of staking the reputation on. Uh, that's not really something you can sell to free agents. It's like, hey, we'll get you better and then we'll trade you. But in terms of like the flow of an organization, I think that's a, a, that's a little feather in the cap of Fetter and, uh, and Hinch. And one of the things that if we go kind of broad here, one of the things that I said on our last episode was I just want to come away with an idea of what this right. regime is doing. And I, I do, I do, I, I do absolutely have that. There are a couple things that Scott said that were, you know, you kind of joked about them earlier that were kind of cliched. And uh, to Tigers fans' credit, I guess, they are not liking the same words coming from a different mouth because sometimes if someone different says it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. But now it's the same words and it, it is met with the same amount of eye rolls. Uh, but at the same time, we get an idea of what Scott Harris is trying to do. And the most interesting thing he said to me, or the most interesting he said, in my opinion, obviously he didn't say it to me, although he is a friend of the podcast, was the term earmark, earmarking at bats and innings. And I thought, uh, 2023 is a wash. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, it'll be frustrating. And, you know, attendance might not be so hot in July and August. But that's okay. That's 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 part of the process. But at the same time, that means you're going to see a lot of Ryan Kreidler. I kind of wrote down, like, who's that good for? Earmarking. Who's that good for? And I just kind of jotted down some names. I think Kreidler, that's good for. Carpenter, that's good for. Dingler, that's good for. Uh, Austin Bergner. JHM is what I'm going to call uh, Justin from here on out. JHM. Uh, Wilmer Flores. Should the, you know they, Those guys potentially get called up. I don't think it's so hot for uh, for Jonathan Scope, for Miguel Cabrera. You know, Austin Meadows. It's kind of a wild card in that, whether it's good or bad, this earmarking thing. But I thought that was very interesting that he decided to put that out there when he decided to not put as many other things out there. Earmarking for young players. Young players, young players, young players, young players. And then I look at the roster as currently constructed, and it's like, it's you know, it's rather young right now. There's obviously more moves to be made, but it's <laughs> it kind of it surprised me a little bit how young the roster is as currently constructed. Yeah. Um, you know, this is not something the fan base seemed super happy to hear. And again, yeah, I get it. It felt all too like we're like the Alavila, like we're here to build a sustainable winner. And every organization has to develop young talent. Every organization has to create a path for its best prospects to get to the big leagues. That's not necessarily a novel idea, uh, but the messaging is is important, and it seemed like Scott, uh, 
you know, that was kind of his message where at GM meetings was like, all right, here are three or four things we want to go get. And then this time it was like, oh, we're really focused more on earmarking innings for young players. And then it was like, wait, so are you, you, you saying there's a rebuild? Oh, no, I'm not saying that. Kind of are, or saying, you know, I think I think the overall takeaway is a 2023, yeah, a little bit of a wash. A lot of experiments probably going to be going on. Uh, and I think it's funny to contrast that to A.J. Hinch, who often says, like, you know, we get in this mode where we feel like we got to rush guys to the big leagues. And so I'm like, all right, so what's the balance between not rushing guys to the big leagues, but also, like, mm-hmm. making sure they can prove themselves at the major league level? Those ideas seem to conflict for me a little bit. Like Parker Meadows, Andre Lipschitz, you know, uh, yeah, you kind of got to find out what those guys are. Wenzel. But if they're Wenzel Perez, but I don't, I, I'm not so sure you got to force them big league at bats next season. Like they got to be ready. I don't want them being thrown up there if they're not ready, just because you you're itching to see what you have. Um, and so those are the names more than some of the ones you look like. I don't think Dylan Dingler is playing in the big leagues next year, but like these guys who are added to the forty man. You would you would think the idea is that oh these dudes are gonna probably perhaps get some serious innings at bats and for me although those are all intriguing players it's hard to be fired up about the twenty twenty three Tigers thinking all right we're gonna see you know a lot of a lot of Andre Lipschitz and guys of this nature while the questions currently still persist who is gonna play third base. Who is going to play second base? Are you getting a first baseman? Like, what is your, like, these questions persist, and, and the Still closest thing we catcher. have to answers is like, well, we're earmarking at-bats for young players. So, in a way, I get it. In a way, I don't, I think you can build a decent team in 2023, if you try. And I don't think that necessarily has to take away from development because the guys who are ready to be good players of the big leagues, they force themselves that path. Like, the, like if the guy's knocking on the door ready to play, he's going to play. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. Yeah. And the Dingler thing was more just me looking at uh, years in the system combined with, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of roadblocks to him getting – Playing time, but obviously he's got to he's got to improve. We I put it off long enough. Now we kind of need to go into a little bit of twenty three stuff. I kind of wanted to talk big picture, but let's let's just kind of go into twenty three stuff. You wrote about Jonathan Scope uh, and what he's going to what he could be this year in regards to uh, is he going to be a Gold Glove finalist? gold glove caliber second baseman again this year and the shift change is going to affect that you talked with aj hinch aj to his credit always seems confident in someone's ability to do something that we later find out they just can't do now that's part of the job that's part of the job i'm not criticizing him for it but uh, there were many instances of him saying like Oh yeah, this guy could do this. That, that were running through my mind as I was reading like his quotes about Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope to me is a guy that you talked about. Miggy is he going to be there? You know, in Miami and what was that? Late June or whatever. In July. Late July. 
Jonathan Scope is is an interesting case study. He might be the most interesting case study for how this organization is going to handle players moving forward because obviously he's expiring. He's older than the timeline of true contention. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean everything, but it's part of it. And if he doesn't pick it up this year, then we're just saying that he's on a decline as a player. You know, he's like reached his uh, – like the home stretch of, of his career. I hope I hope that's not the case, but you know that's I don't know how else you describe 2022 for him. But if he's struggling at the plate, do, 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 and you know even though you got him under contract, are they just gonna start giving at bats to other players? And if he is not as effective as a as an infielder because of the shift change, does that kind of add on top of it? So I guess he's. We're, we're gonna get a story about he's gonna be in the best shape of his life have you written that story already or is it uh coming up in spring you're saving it for spring training because the mobility thing that you talked about in the story like he's working he's sending aj hinge videos yeah. of himself doing agility drills yeah so he, so uh it's yeah, happening oh yeah i mean there'll be a story he's what gonna, were your agility drills like Jonathan? he's gonna lose 10 to 15 pounds and he's gonna say i've been working on my you know agility and to better prepare uh get you know with the shift or whatever that's happening i'm putting the call right now are you i'm gonna say are you buying it in your mind how high caliber of a second baseman can scope be in the new baseball and the new rules with the shift with shifts being you know disallowed I think he can be a pretty good second baseman. I think we're, I, I think we are overthinking this, and not like the media. Like these questions were asked because they have been floated within the Tigers' like thinking. Um, don't have an answer on that again, as we've talked about, but like uh, they've, they've, they have asked these questions themselves, and you already wasted a year of Jonathan Scope's life playing him at first base. Uh, he was the, the best defensive player in baseball based on outs above average. And yeah, his arm, his ability to play deep, that all ties into it. Um, but it's not like Jonathan Scope is a statue at second base. You look at some of the metrics, they indicate like he's eh, maybe slightly below average in terms of range, but he actually like is kind of like for his build pretty fast. Um, he's probably not going to win a gold glove with the shift taken away. I think he can still be average probably an above average defensive second baseman and look if he doesn't hit he is now expendable being on the last year of his deal all right like that that if he comes out of the gate and struggles then you know what all right well let's see what Andre Lipschitz can do I think Jonathan Scope's a pretty good rebound candidate man this guy's got five seasons of above 100 WRC plus five seasons of 20 homers Um, he's always been you know not the most patient hitter but uh, he's not over the hill in terms of age. He's got a successful track record. Last year was an abysmal, abysmal season for him. Uh, I, I like Jonathan Scope to bounce back and have a pretty good year, and I would say let's not complicate this by moving him all around the diamond unless unless you want to bring in a quality second baseman and a quality third baseman and Scope is your utility guy. If you're serious about trying to build a – 500 baseball team i think that's probably what you should do uh but right now we don't have the indication that that's going to happen so i say leave scope at second base and stop overthinking yeah i can get down with that i can get down with that sort of sort of similar to 
some other speculations we've had where it's like you got so many things that you got to figure out let's not add to it i wouldn't say unnecessarily but not of the utmost priority so i'd agree with that but we still are no closer to i mean you kind of already mentioned this we're still no closer to figuring out third base you know could could they get seems like we're very very far away because i don't like I, I don't know, maybe you can bring in this Brian Anderson guy or something, and that'd be all right. And then you just have to hope he has a good year. And I'm not real sure what your backup plan is. And uh, I don't know what kind of third baseman they're trading for. Jace Peterson, an infielder, he can play second and third. He's he's off the market, and I liked him more than Adam Frazier. I think there's still some interest in Frazier. I think the Orioles are interested in Frazier too. There's probably multiple teams interested in Frazier, and Frazier's really a lighter hitting second baseman who, who puts the ball in play. So if you bring in Frazier, does that mean Scope's going to, th- like, we have no idea. <laughs> no idea. It's no idea. So eventually, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Look, if the Tigers signed the same guy on January 12th that they, like, would have signed at winter meetings, it doesn't It doesn't matter. Uh, the Tigers into the market has still not moved a ton, a ton. So it's it's probably like a little bit overblown to panic because they didn't sign more dudes at winter meetings. But at the same time, like I think the the continued lack of clarity about what the game plan is is uh, I don't want to say concerning because I get it. Like like I think we're gonna have to accept that twenty twenty three is gonna be a lot of experimentation. There's you know gonna be a lot of platoons, a lot of waiver guys getting random at bats throughout the year. And and look, I don't know they. The AL Central kind of sucks, so let's keep that in mind. I think we can say 2023 is a little bit of a wash, and that doesn't necessarily mean the Tigers are losing 95 to 100 games. Um, but in terms of like getting serious about building a roster, it doesn't seem like that's going to come until later. Yeah, that's a good point. And we can talk more about how the AL Central sucks, though, because it's <laughs> it's a division. Like I don't know, like. Maybe the Tigers win eighty three games and are like like could win the division or something. It's a it's looking really bad right now. Yeah, and not too long ago we were talking about how it looked like one of the healthier divisions <laughs> in, in baseball, and you know they, that's yeah another, that was funny. There's a funny game, which is yeah. a reminder how things change. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is that the White Sox were supposed to be building a dynasty, mm-hmm. and now they are. We're a mess, and also we're not going to spend at all. Yeah, and I don't know. How do we feel about the Royals right now? Because, again, you know, we've talked about how their climb is sort of, you know, step for step. Probably worse off than the Tigers are right there about, and also not doing anything to really accelerate their timeline. The Guardians kind of remind me of like the 2021 Tigers. Like they really pieced together against the odds a division winner. Terry Francona was manager of the year. They do have a very good organizational infrastructure, but it's like they were the youngest team in the league. I could easily see some of those dudes regressing. Is Stephen Kwan really going to be what he was last year? And if a couple injuries hit their pitching, they could be in trouble. And so then you're left with the Twins who are betting their lives on being able to re-sign Carlos Correa. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they could. And then and then, then you have the Tigers who are saying, you know, we're really just here to earmark at bats for 
Andre Lipschitz. So, <laughs> are we are we gonna get like think pieces in late July and August that are like, should we get rid of division winners for the playoff seating because the Central is so bad? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're wrong, but look, things change quickly in this game. Maybe the White Sox magically figure it all out and, and look like the juggernaut they were supposed to be. Although their roster is not, I mean, they lost Jose Abreu and they're basically like, yeah, we'll move Andrew Vaughn to first and just like not really be serious about getting a good outfield. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, they're trying to trade Liam, aren't they? Yeah. Liam Hendricks appears to be on the trade block. Um, and so that's, that's one thing winter meetings really highlighted. You have a few teams who are trying really hard and are willing to spend whatever to a, a point that it's kind of crazy. And so spending across the league was really good, right? That was, it was healthy for the game. Guys are getting big deals. You have a few teams trying. A lot of attention. It's also a reminder, you have like 22 teams that are like not trying very seriously. You know? Yeah, and... And some of them surprising, and some of them not. Uh, Red Sox, Red Sox fans are uh, panicking Oof. right now. I would say, and uh, if Mister Bloom doesn't like live at Devers' house every day, trying to convince him to sign whatever contract he's going to offer, if they're going to offer, maybe not. I think I saw some people being like, "Yeah, they're just really trying to be the Rays." Like they, you know, they, they just they don't they're not interested in being a big market team, which would be wild. I doubt that's gonna play out that way, but that would be wild. Man. I mean, I mean, it's look, looking a little like that, except they overpaid for a Japanese outfielder. <laughs> so, and, uh, I don't know what's you know the the Red Sox. It was like this. Uh, dismal first two days and they they start signing some hope you know they get they get a couple relievers they sign uh the the international player who who they think can be their leadoff hitter things are looking good and but the whole thing was always centered around re-signing bogarts and then they lose bogarts julian mcwilliams in the boston globe just happened to be chilling at the airport with the (laughs) red sox front office as this move went down and wrote a great great piece of, of sports journalism basically just observing the shock and awe on their faces uh, and then it seems like he went up to Heim Bloom was like, hey man, can we talk about this? And Heim was like, I need a second. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, re- really interesting story to see how this, how that all went down. And uh seems like the Red Sox front office was rather distraught. Can you be shocked? I'm, I don't know. I guess to me, that's a little disingenuous to be like shocked when like your offer was literally half of what he got like money and years essentially it's the- yeah and well but but i don't know like there's also the take that they're probably smart not to match that offer because 11 sure. years is ridiculous yeah, no so, no, you're, you're that's right. the other big takeaway i thought we were done, done. <laughs> giving dudes 10 years especially when they're on the other side of 30 already <laughs> And no, we are not, baby. Dave Dombrowski and AJ Preller are going to keep that in style and let it be the next GM pro- GM's problem, which uh, one of those two has a history of doing. <laughs> can Tiger's Twitter for a second also recognize that the, like the, that history that you're talking about? Can they can we just acknowledge it's a thing? I'm not saying it, it's not a criticism of Mr. Dombrowski, but can we acknowledge it's a thing? It's a thing. Like, come on. It's a thing. Uh, it's genius. No, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Not a criticism, <laughs> but like, 
we can't pretend it doesn't happen like that's to me it just seems like that's where the the mind goes and uh and Aaron Judge you know Brian Cashman I guess it will be his problem because at this point he might as well have a lifetime contract to uh to be in charge of the Yankees and uh giving Judge that monster deal which to his credit they kind of back he backed the Yankees into a corner. They had no choice but to give him essentially whatever he wanted, and then he can come back and say, like, oh, I wanted, really wanted to be a Yankee. I took less money, you know, blah, 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 you know, with the offer from San Diego. San Diego, which actually I had this thought randomly. You know, the, for a long time they were owned by, uh, was it Ray Kroc is his name, the guy who essentially founded oh, McDonald's, right. uh, or at least franchised it. Good movie, The Founder, by the way, if anybody wants to go watch it. It's ironic that it's not the Kroc family, the McDonald's family, that's spending like this. It, but although uh, it's the grandson of Walter O'Malley uh, wow. that, that owns the uh, owns the Padres, so I mean, obviously he comes from money. But but I thought like you know McDonald's money would have been something that you'd be free spending. But I guess you know maybe not. Whatever. But yeah, baseball. It's not you know about a year ago we were talking about oh these poor teams and their revenue. And look at us now. Uh, the the a good day. I hope I hope the union parties were good over there in San Diego because I, I there should have been. Sure a- <laughs> they were. I am sure they were. And the, the you know the pitching market also continues to be just ridiculous. Guys are starters and relievers are just commanding whatever they want essentially. Uh, with some some pretty good pitchers still left to sign who are also going to get huge contracts. Yeah. So do we feel more resolute? about the Boyd number then after winter meetings? Like, eh, 10 million. That's, you know. Uh, you know, I can't really comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> the Boyd signing is still not official. And what I've heard is there's some logistics that's supposed to be done this week. It's now, uh, I'm not sure when we're even releasing this pod. We're recording this Friday, you know, after the week of winter meetings. And It'll be up today. It's not official. So I have... I don't know exactly what logistics holdups we have there. Um, it's still a lot for Matt Boyd, but yeah, in the overall context of the market, like that was the argument for it at the time was like, this is the going rate. And just one week later, like the going rate might be even higher. So um, I still think it's a lot for Matt Boyd, like in the context of the market, you know, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's, well, all the numbers that got released it, it, and the years. I mean, years are more important than money, obviously, because years tie yeah, your Yeah, uh, that's the thing we talked about last week with Boyd. Like, yeah, so just one in, year, so yeah, Just whatever. in general, like, uh, so yeah, that that's money, whatever, years, more concerned, but good for baseball. Good week for baseball to get, you know, these eye-popping numbers and these uh, big names either on the move or, you know, staying with the Yankees, which I guess you could say is, you know, good for baseball, but. So, so you have all that, and then you have the Baltimore Orioles, who were the darlings of baseball last year, and their payroll is like below $100 million still. And Michael <laughs> Elias went from saying, you know, we're, we're, we're nearing liftoff to saying, like, we will incrementally increase payroll over a series <laughs> of years. And, like, basically saying, oh, no, we, we want to continue to keep our payroll as low as possible. What a world. What a world. There actually is something, Cody, that I was curious about because I mentioned earlier that 
seemed like Scott was, you know, talk, you got a lot of, like I said, a lot of FaceTime with Scott, and he was talking a lot, he's, you know, doing, you know, the, the MLB network bits, I'm sure he was doing, you know, MLB radio, and, you know, all these things, especially since, you know, he's like the new GM, and, you know, there's a little bit of intrigue that, you know, these networks, or at least, you know, the league-owned network, you know, likes to highlight, you know, those kind of stories. Was he was he well hydrated? Did he, you know, did his voice go at all? Did he, uh, you know, was he, you know, how were how was his vocal cords? How did he keep his vocal cords loose through all of this? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about this because we, you know, when you report on something, you got to follow up on it. So we made fun of Scott for for carrying around his bottle of Fiji at uh, GM meetings. Uh, I like to think he did this just to see if I would notice. He was going with smart water here at winter meetings. So like a downgrade from the Fiji, but like I often will buy smart water. So I can't, I can't really knock him for that, you know? Uh, but he was, you know, I, I, not quite the common man's water, but like, you know, he more reasonable. Electrolytes, you know? Um, <laughs> so right, right. Uh, I can tell you there was less vodka in the Tiger's Suite than there was under the previous regime. So I, I Scott probably valued hydration a little more. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like a guy uh, and it, it, uses his Peloton. Go ahead. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. The Bay Area guy. Oh, definitely. Um, a couple other nuggets. AJ Hinch on MLB Network, MLB Radio, made some comment about like Miguel Cabrera could play first base next year, and I don't really know why he. That's like not really true. Miguel's not going to be playing like first base once every series. I think he said that because it could happen a couple times, like literally Miguel's final <laughs> games. You know, put him out on the field at first and, and let him get a standing O from a road crowd and definitely the home crowd. Miguel Cabrera is not going to play very much first base next season. Um, and Wilson Contreras, as I had alluded to earlier, the Tigers were never serious in their pursuit. I think they like met with his agent because, as Scott said, we're meeting with every agent. That's probably what you should do as a GM. Uh, that report that they had like interest was mostly BS. They were and and you know one thing I was wrong on though was there not being a market for Contreras. Contreras got five years and the money he wanted mm-hmm. from the Cardinals, so he he made it work. Uh, but I don't think the Tigers were you know that, that that was never like a super real thing. Well, speaking of following up, another thing that we have to follow up on, Cody, is we had a little fun with one Rob Metzler and his attire and his little uh team photograph uh when he got that they you know showed in the press release and stuff when he got hired and he was the team's representative at the first ever draft lottery mlb draft lottery and i thought he looked rather sharp so credit to rob he he looks like a different person man like I, i don't know if he's just like got his act together here i don't know if He's probably making a little more from the Tigers than the Rays were paying him. Maybe he upgraded the wardrobe. Or I also like to think that when we make fun of people on this pod, they they listen and someone's like, Rod, bro, you got you to gotta do a little better here. You're about to be on TV. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because I was like, because I was looking for Scott at first, you know, just because. And then I was like, who is? Oh, oh, okay. All right. Someone went to Joseph A. Bank. 
You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, good on it. Hey, you're about, like I said, about to be on TV, about to, you know, be representing the organization on TV, uh, you know, more importantly. And speaking of the lottery, something that Detroit sports fans aren't used to. Lottery went in their favor. Moved from, was it six or seven? Uh, there was six. It moved six. from six to three. Move up, uh, you know, a couple spots. There was some, you know, anticipation as they get closer. There are a lot of teams that, you know, fell below their spot. I had, you know, I had a decent amount of fun watching it. I'm not going to lie. And then, you know, they get number three overall. Like, I think that's pretty cool. What was, what were you able to do? Or like, did, was there any sort of ping pong process? Or, you know, we speculate on this last week. You have anything for us? Um, I, I was like in the back of the, the ballroom where it was, it was filmed. So I was like in there and I don't even, did they, I saw some ping pong balls on the TV, but they weren't actually like drawing them, were they? Not, not for, uh, not for TV consumption. They just did the, they just okay. did the card. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I read somewhere they, I think they had actually done most of it beforehand, like privately. And they had like like people there to witness it yeah that's what the nba does it's 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 done like the hour before something like that um you can't bring your phone in there and like you know all this stuff so that's that's what they did there were uh no ping pong balls just is a letdown the ping pong balls are great for tv come on (laughs) um and i'll say this man like i am as big of a proponent of baseball as anyone like think it should be more popular like i want people to care about the game um went on my rant about soccer last week Mm -hmm. like but it's it was really hard for me to care about the mlb draft lottery and the rule five draft and i you know i know i was i was lucky enough to be there in person and then when you're in the room and you're here like get ready for the suspense of the draft lottery on it. And I was like, oh, this poor gentleman on MLB Network is really forcing this. <laughs> it got a little exciting as you're, you're like, oh, well, Tigers are moving up, you know. Um, I'm sure it was exciting for the executives whose jobs, you know, hinged so heavily on these picks and all that. But I was just kind of like, all right, like, whatever, it's – it's the MLB draft, and and it's important. And having the number three pick is good. We'll we'll get plenty to speculate, you know, in terms of next year's draft. Tigers have a chance of getting a pretty good player. All that's to say, though, like it didn't it didn't really move the needle for me, man. Well, that's the thing is that like it, it's kind of it's just like a novelty thing to do, and you know it, it gets you get something to talk about or whatever. But baseball is not basketball in the sense that, like, if the NBA did their lottery, like, right now, I know it doesn't make sense for, you know, timeline or whatever with seasons, but if the NBA did their lottery right now, you'd be thinking about who's going to be on your team next year and who, what kind of impact he's going to have. Because you already, like, obviously, Victor Wimanyama, like, it's like, oh, we got Victor Wimanyama. Like, there's yeah. an excitement because there's an immediate reward for it. Whereas baseball, that doesn't happen. Obviously, you know, go through the minors for a couple years. But... At the same time, I'm not I'm not I'm not a draft expert, Cody, when it comes to uh, baseball. But as long as we've had this podcast, I think I have a decent track record of of kind of like staking my claim, and not necessarily that I'm unique in the guys I do it. But like for the Tigers' pick a couple of years ago, obviously I was all aboard the Marcelo Meyer train. 
you know, and you I were, was hardly unique in that. Hardly unique in that. Um, right. But that's, that looks like I was right on that one. Last year, I was, uh, I was, I, I like me some Zach Nito. And might have been right on that one too. You know, early, early dividends. We'll see, but early dividends. Right now, I'm going to put my flag in the Jacob Gonzalez. Ooh. Uh, land i'm gonna buy property there i think um right now i'm renting i'm renting the own i haven't completely decided but i think i'm gonna stake my claim there old miss shortstop all i needed to know was this last or two last two seasons 88 walks 66 strikeouts and last year per i think this was prospects live last year 87 percent contact contact rate okay all that, right. that sounds like a Scott Harris guy to me. Uh, it's, yes, it does. I like that. Uh, my early guy, like I like Dylan Cruz a lot from LSU, but we've got a long, got a long time to learn more about these players and let them actually play next season. So we'll see what happens. But I like you putting in that early claim. I think that's smart. Another nugget, tangentially related to Marcelo Meyer, the the. Alavila Memorial Award for turning up at winter meetings goes to Red Sox manager Alex Cora. Okay. He was, a, he, he was, he was not many like execs or managers are actually down at the, the lobby bar with all the agents and writers and um, there a lot of like team employees are down there, but the guys you actually recognize most right. of them are down there. AC was down there uh, <laughs> just about every night having himself a good time. Shout out AC. I like that. Uh, and last little nugget about the draft. Uh, when we earlier we mentioned like saying the same words, like and you know eye rolling and all that stuff. I will say this as a, as someone who is a fan of chaos. Sometimes, if there's a high school pitcher at three that the Tigers take. I I might just do this podcast with me just laughing the entire time. Like, he, he, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I guess I've never talked to Scott Harris about this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say he probably falls in the class of guys who are a hard no on taking a mm-hmm. high school pitcher, you know, in the top 15 or 20 picks. You're right, because if Scott Harris does <laughs> it, then, then – then <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think – I would not Uh, be surprised if those guys are not even on the draft board. Yeah, I'm all all in on a college bat. We'll see how the board shakes out. But just in general, I really like a college bat. I think that fits what the team needs. Um, Anything on the Rule 5? Um. No, I, I, I like the Tigers pick in Englert, Mason Englert from the Rangers. Um, again, you know, rule five, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to get excited about. Um, but the guy seems like quality pitcher, man. He's got a, a, a mid nineties fastball. That's kind of been ticking up. He had Tommy John in 19 and didn't play in 20. So still kind of finding his stuff a little bit. He's supposed to have a really good change up. Sounds like he tweaked his slider from kind of a, a sweeping slider to a hard biting slider last season and got some really good results. Tiger scouts thought that this guy was better as the year went along, and they really liked the pitcher he was at the end of last year. 
interesting that he's been a starting pitcher, you know, in his minor league career. A lot of times, rule five pitcher, you think, all right, get some hard throwing reliever and just take a chance on him. Inglert, uh, Scott Harris said he wants him to, to stretch out in camp and they want to kind of play around with him in, in some different roles a little bit. Always hard to know, like, is there actually a roster spot for this guy? Like, um, especially like it, it sounds like he would be kind of a swing man, but you already got Tyler Alexander and we'll see what other signings you make. So look, I have no idea if this dude is actually going to make the roster, but in terms of rule five picks, uh, I like Ingler, you know, he's, he's, I wish you didn't have to carry him on the major league roster all season. If you just had Ingler as another depth piece in your farm system, I would feel pretty good about him. I think there were some people from the Rangers' side at, at the time, who were a little surprised that Texas did not protect him on their 40 net. Yeah, I like the fact that the mileage isn't that high, which, you know, you just alluded to. He's also from just what you would consider the edges of what we call the Metroplex, Forney, Texas, not uh, not too far from from here. I got a guy that plays, uh, plays on my softball team, lives in, lives in Forney, actually, so... So, you know, a little, I always like the local kids that go, you know, to my favorite teams and all that stuff. So, you know, it seems like a fine enough, you know, it's not like a gamble, but a fine enough try, you know. Uh, and, again, like, if he turns out to be something, this is another one of those, like, small, shrewd, not necessarily shrewd, but, you know, one of those small moves that kind of, you know, add up, you know. So. Yeah, and I, I heard from a couple of people, like, can we be done with the Rule 5 draft? Like, the Rule 5 draft has been, like, <laughs> like way too big of a deal for the Tigers throughout the course of this rebuild. All <laughs> I mean, you know, Badu, he might have got a, a pretty good player there. We'll see what, what his third year in the big leagues is like. And we talked for years about Victor Reyes' potential, and it never really, like, quite hit. Um, and then Ronnie yeah, Garcia, whatever. But, like, you know, anyway... You know, someone was like, like, are they really going to take someone in the Rule 5 this year? And if I were a GM, I think he would be my philosophy. Yeah, we're taking someone in the Rule 5. Why not? It is incredibly low risk. You have to pay $100,000 to take a Rule 5 guy. Uh, but there's kind of this idea that, like, oh, you have to carry him. No, you don't. Like, get him in spring. See if he's any good. If he's not any good, send him back, you know. This is incredibly low risk with a chance that, Maybe a guy pops. Uh, if you're if, if by the end of spring you don't feel really good about keeping him on the roster, just ship him back. But it's like why not? Why not? Yeah. Try? Use every yeah. avenue available yeah. to you. Yeah. So. Oh, and also to kind of tie a knot on the third base conversation, we got Scott Harris talking about you know the decision to non-tender Jamer Candelario. He ends up signing one year. Five million. I think there's a couple more incentives in there that could up the number a little bit. Uh, with the Washington Nationals, yeah, I mean he was gonna make what seven, eight, seven point eight. You know, uh, and, he made five point eight last year. He's projected to be around seven this year. So, in terms of Jamer, good for him. He's not really taking a pay cut, you know, with with his new team. So that you know, good for him on that, and. You know, the Tigers didn't think he was worth the 7 to $8 million, uh, but it creates a roster hole that we, you know, we've already talked about that, you know, there's no indication of how they're going to fill that. How do you, how do you feel overall about Jamer being, or a, a one-year deal for $5 million? Like, if he had agreed to be with the, uh, the Tigers, like, 
one year five million with that that gelled well with you you know i think good for jamer he gets a, a spot he should get plenty of bats he's still getting a decent payday the tigers lack of clarity at third base does make you think like if you're not really going to bring in an option you feel better about like Maybe you should just kept Jamer. So, again, I guess we can't really opine on that too much until we see what the Tigers actually end up doing. Uh, but seems like, a, you know, a nice soft landing spot. I wouldn't be shocked if Jamer has, has a solid year. I think he'll stick around in the big leagues for uh, a few more seasons. Um, other than that, not really that much to report. You know, Tigers want to make sure it was known that Jamer's a good guy and they, they thanked him for the service to the organization and, Jamer thanked the Tigers for his time, so seems like kind of an awkward situation. Gets a gets a you know pretty resolute and, and nice ending for for Jamer at least. Also good good for Victor Reyes, uh, minor league deal with the White Sox, uh, non roster invitee uh, to spring training. So you know wish him the best as well. And also shout out Gary Jones. Gary Jones, I guess do. You, Call it an upgrade. Gets goes from first to third. Third base coach. We're gonna we're gonna get uh, the toothpick man. Gonna be sending sending dudes to the plate. So I'm actually excited for that. Good for him. Shout out Gary Jones. Still one more staff position to fill. I had teased that I thought it was gonna be pretty interesting earlier, and that I thought it was gonna be done by Thanksgiving. That did not seem to get done. Uh, my like theory sounds like the Tigers had a candidate in mind where they were not able to. Uh, get to take the job and so I don't know what's going on there now but they'll, they'll probably get another quality control type guy seems like they need someone to work with catchers not sure what the updated timeline on the last piece to the coaching staff is and no update on GM uh I think we're not going to have a GM hire anytime soon like maybe not until next offseason um it is <laughs> it, it I can tell you for a fact it remains like not a pressing priority all right. Well, anything else from winter meetings you wanted to to get into? That is all that's coming to mind. I think it was a solid showing for the Tigers. Like I said, I, I I came away with a better idea of the organizational goal and 2023. I still think is going to be interesting. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to hype it up or anything. But if you're getting these young guys in and you seeing how they do, and then of course there's the. Uh, the tour for Miggy and his, you know, last go round or whatever. So it should be, I think it'll still be an interesting season, but yeah, Scott Harris is going to be, take a patient approach here. And honestly, that's probably the right thing to do, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Like you said, it's a weird sport and things can change like that. So I want to thank everybody for listening. This is an unusual publication day. I wanted to get this out there. I'm attending a wedding this weekend and, didn't want the chance of something happening in the next couple of days. So it's going to be out uh, Friday afternoon, Friday night. Maybe you're listening to this on Saturday. And if anything else, substantial changes, maybe we'll pop on here again on uh, on Sunday night. So I want to thank Cody for making time for me right after his trip to San Diego. And I want to thank everybody for listening, continuing to follow us on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, and at Turn Corner Pod. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple and Spotify, and subscribe to The Athletic so you can get all these nuggets in written form and better context uh, from Cody Stavenhagen and all his wonderful colleagues at The Athletic. So for 
Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great weekend.